Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're finding out if our love for the series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about the second section of Breaking Dawn the fourth and final novel in the saga. The shower head on my shower is broken. How do you deal with that? really put a bit of a downer on the day, hasn't it? It really has. You've been left with... Outer shower, and I really need to wash my hair. Like, I'd I'd saved up to wash my hair today, because I'm not working, and I thought, I'll have a luxurious shower. How long have you gone without washing your hair, looking forward to this? There's no judgment here. This is a safe space. I don't... I like to try and leave it at least four days without washing my hair, because it's better for your hair. Yeah, that's respectable. Yeah. And so also, now what? God, I'm bothered. Today you're not going to... I'm going to... Ha- I have to. It's at the point of no return. <laughs> but you're left with essentially a hose. And I've never been one to garden. I've been thinking recently, so we're coming to the end of the saga, and I've been reflecting back on where we were when we started this journey and the questions we were asking. And it just got me thinking about other books that I was reading around that time or around that age. You mean you were cheating on this saga? We'd never talked about exclusivity. <laughs> Do you remember Meg Cabot? The writer of The Princess Diaries? Yes. She did lots of other series that you might have heard of. She did The Missing series about a girl who had visions of where missing people were. Oh. She did one about a girl who saved the president. They were all teen female protagonists in slightly unusual or supernatural situations. That sounds cool. She, Yeah, she had a lot of really good ideas, I think. And I was just curious about whether, if I were to revisit some of those texts, whether I would have similar feelings of nostalgia, whether I would cringe, whether mm. I'd be like, oh God, why was I reading this? So I had a look at the first book in the Mediator series. Oh, look, and by just Meg like Cabot. that, you've got it with you. I've got it right here. Do you remember this? I do, yeah. I remember going to the Sleaford Library, which was our little town that we grew up in and mm-hmm. where our school was, getting this book out because I really like the cover, I really like the illustration. It's, it's funky. It is funky. It's bright pink. It's very clearly like this is for girls. This is for the young, yeah. young and teen the girls. Closeted. The Isaacs of the world. So did you read it? No. No. I got it out of the library and I was like, I'm going to read it. And I think I started reading it and thought, oh, this isn't for me. Okay. It's about a young girl who is about 16, so maybe a little bit younger than Bella. She's moving from New York to California, not dissimilar to our young Bella moving across the country at the behest of a parent with a new spouse. Yeah, new marriage. But Suze can see ghosts, and she has a kind of role to play, a destiny. She helps those who have unfinished business pass on to the next It's a lot for a 16-year-old. Exactly. It's very Buffy, which obviously will have drawn me to it straight away. She's got a very ass-kicking kind of vibe. And of course, there is the romantic aspect, Mm. obvs. She falls in love with the ghost who's haunting her bedroom. His name's Jesse, and he's like a, I think, Spanish cowboy. Who is, yeah. So obviously you've got the unthinkably gorgeous undead lover. Let's put Jesse up with Edward. Mm. Mm. Cowboys are much sexier than the Spanish influenza. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's a sexier way to die, mm. for sure. I just didn't 
read a lot of Jessie. Maybe I'll have to read on. And it's genuinely quite intriguing. It's cool. She's at a Catholic school. Ooh. There's the bitchy ghost girl who's trying to kill her because the ghost's ex-boyfriend is kind of flirting with her, or you know. Oh, uh, right. And it's got a lot to it. And the main character has a lot of agency. She really knows her own mind. She really fights for her own right to stand up for herself. Why wasn't this made into a show? You'd have thought it would have been a good TV show. I would have thought this would be a great TV show, and maybe it will one day. But yeah, so that was that's my just brief sabbatical into the world of The Mediator, book one, Love You to Death. Before I uh, dive into the plot, let's retreat back into the shallow end and talk about the fact that this is Jacob's perspective. Yeah. So we're now into new territory. It's not the first time we've... No, she very clumsily put him at the end of the clip so we'd have a little bit of a... Did you find that clumsy? Mm, Was it necessary? I don't know. For this story, it was maybe interesting... It was just him and Leah talking about Leah having a sex dream. And okay, I'm if glad for that. If we hadn't had that, we wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have known that, that Leah had had a sex dream about Bella. And that is vital information. <laughs> I wouldn't have continued on to this book had I not got that information. True, true. Do you think that that was there at the end of Eclipse purely to yes. foreshadow the fact yes. that we would be getting his POV? Absolutely. So it's Jacob. It's Maya trying to do a male perspective. And I'm not, I'm not sure if it is 100% what... Jacob is or who he is obviously when you first encounter this this is quite new and and yes jarring yes because we've had jarring three books entirely from one first person narrator and other than that little epilogue at the end of Eclipse we've not really had any variation Mm -hmm. from that so did you find that the characterization of Jacob when we're hearing things from his point of view Mm. didn't match the characterization you'd built up Not entirely, no, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I thought he was very two-dimensional. Okay, I didn't necessarily find that. I did find that I wasn't as interested. Yeah, I was going to say, and I didn't care. After Jacob's sexual assault of Bella. Mm, Kind of done with him. So I wish I could remember better what my feelings were for him Mm. on my first reading when I was 14, because I didn't necessarily find what he was saying and doing out of character... I just found that I didn't want to be in Jacob's head. Yeah. And I mean, in some ways, I think Maya is kind of doing us a favour because I do not want to be in Bella's head when she just wants this baby when it's killing her. Mm. I think that would have been agonising because it's agonising when she talks in Jacob's book. Yes, she very much was going to be having a very one-track mind. Does so... it have to be Jacob? Well, I suppose in theory it could have been anyone. It mm. would have been quite interesting for it to be maybe Rose or... Yeah, ooh, that would have been good. Yeah. We say this a lot, why this choice, but yeah. um, genuinely, why do you think this choice, what, what would you... Is it just to get us out of Bella's head? Maybe, so we don't know what's going on. I wonder, could it be partly to try and soften us to Jacob again? Do you think she would have realised that after <laughs> no. Eclipse? No? No. She thinks we're... We, the reader, are still going to I think love she thinks Jacob. we love Jacob and that's why he's a good candidate for his perspective. Right. Not that he is likely to have fallen out of favour with us. But he didn't. You're right. The re- no, the real reason she did this is because of the ending of his book. Oh. Yeah. I don't hate this device. The the only thing is, we go through all of Jacob's experiences and then in the third 
book, which we go back to Bella's, it all seems irrelevant. That's true. That is very true. Yeah. So maybe this is just a way of finishing off... It doesn't finish Jacob's arc, but knowing that Jacob isn't going to have as prominent a role in the third act of this novel... But I don't think that's very clear, because you've given him a voice. But maybe that's why. To allow him to have his development and to allow us to get to know him better because there isn't going to be time in the third act to do that necessarily. Then why bother? Because she wants us to care what happens to him in the third act, but doesn't have time to make us care. So this gives her the opportunity to set up. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Still a waste of time. Well, it is when we can't care. Well, when we personally don't care. Yeah, and like I said, it's just irrelevant. Because in the third book, he's he is prominent in the third book. Mm-hmm. It is a different perspective because things happen that change the relationship between him and Bella. Mm-hmm. But he's there. He's got a voice and Bella's still happy that he's around. He's an ally. He's a friend. He's a son. Mm. We'll, um... <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. In case it wasn't already clear in this episode, <laughs> we are discussing Breaking Dawn Book 2. If you're interested, that is from chapter 8 to 18. It's not immediately obvious that that's the case, because this book doesn't have a table of contents. (laughs) We'll talk about that next episode. (laughs) Jacob is really mad. We start with Jacob finding out that Charlie has rung Billy, saying Bella is ill. So he now knows the story the Cullens are telling Charlie. And he doesn't know if that means that she's dead or a vampire. Or she's... Yeah, transitioning. Um, and, and he's like, is this code? Jacob is ready to tear the Cullens apart. He, mm-hmm. he just wants to fight. He is so angry. Mm-hmm. Shaken all over. Everyone else is very resistant. Sam is like, at the minute, nothing has happened. And they're all kind of willing to forgive. Yes. Everything leading up to this has been very black and white. The treaty says this, therefore you cannot transform or bite a human at all. Mm. But it's interesting that they are willing to take into consideration the fact that Bella has chosen this. Mm -hmm. It's a much more mature attitude Mm -hmm. to understand that Bella's wishes are being honoured. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Also, I think they understand that the fight would be unfair and both sides would lose. Mm. They would both lose people. There's no winning. Yeah. Jacob isn't happy with this. He's very unhappy throughout the entire... Well, he's been unhappy since Edward returned, hasn't he? Mm. So Jacob is like, you fuckers, you've all betrayed me. Mm. So he's like, right, fine, I'm going to go in human form and I'm going to go to the fucking Cullens. In fact, he gets his motorbike and drives. Is it, do you drive a motorbike or do you cycle? You ride. I just ride. <laughs> I just ride. Is that how that song goes? I yeah, remember. I think so. I knew, I knew what you were getting at. Yeah. Lana Del Rey, I'm with you. Oh, good. Yeah, he so does that so that they won't hear his thoughts. Yes. Snake or snake. Because he's going there to kill... Edward. Yeah, and he knows that if he is in wolf form, Sam the Alpha will be able to command him to stop. This is when he discovers Bella's Praggers. Oh. Oh. But also is super skinny. 
she's not glowing. Mm. She looks like she could die any minute. I, I think that's what he says, actually. It's obviously really horrible, but there are some moments of description of Bella during her pregnancy that, as a horror fan, I found really cool. <laughs> you know, like the things bursting forth yeah. from within you, something yeah. that has the parasite that is living within. There's some really classic horror okay. tropes and the fact that she here. loves it is, uh... is yeah, it just adds this other dimension. Yeah, um, yeah. When you actually try to read these books as horror novels mm. which they're not they're, no. they're fantasy romance yeah but if you actually try and apply the kind of filter of of a horror reading on this there are some really cool images so edward is moaning and groaning all over the joint and this is where jacob first has empathy for him yeah but then also he thinks yeah you deserve this you deserve this pain your venomous semen has put her through this yeah jacob said at the wedding don't fuck him. Are you saying that Jacob was right? No, I'm not saying Jacob was right. But he could say he, he told you so. Anyway, Edward is is a little bit cuckoo. Like, he has mm. snapped and is begging Jacob to convince Bella to have a normal baby with him. So he wants Carlisle to abort the fetus. Yeah, because it's, it is killing Bella. And then he wants Jacob to impregnate Bella. If that's what she wants. If, if she wants a normal family, have it. Have anything, but do not have this baby that is killing you. Mm. From the inside out. It's grim. Yeah, like ribs are breaking, bones mm. are snapping. See, awesome. Edward and Carlisle didn't want Bella to have a choice they were like gonna rip it out if it weren't for Rosalie Rosalie, which explains why that was who Bella called yeah because the minute they land at the airport Rosalie like kind of grabs Bella and Edward knew he couldn't Mm -hmm. do anything Rosalie's protecting Bella and this therefore means Emmett and Esme won't see a fight with anyone so um Jacob goes back to the pack to tell Sam Sam loses it Mm. So all this calm reasoning goes out the window. Sam is like, tonight we're attacking the Cullens and Bella has to die. Mm -hmm. We can't let this creature survive. And that's when Jacob changes his mind. He was so hungry to, you know, murder the Cullens en masse Mm. when when he thought that Bella had been changed or or killed. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Bella's life's in danger, but her life is in danger from the baby growing inside her and now also from his family who want to kill her in order to stop that baby being born. Yeah. It's rough. Jacob's in a rough situation. Yeah. Still a douchebag. Yeah. But I don't envy him. Anyway, so then Jacob remembers, oh, actually, I'm the rightful alpha. Mm, because by blood... Yeah, it's him. It's, uh, it's the black family. It's a cool scene. These ancient energies. Jacob leaves the pack and realises that when you decide to leave, you can no longer hear their thoughts. Mm. He's alone. He's a lone wolf. What a relief. Well, it is until he starts to hear someone else. (laughs) (laughs) I love Seth. In my head, when I am reading Seth's dialogue... I hear Tom Holland as Peter Parker saying it. Okay. I'll maybe have to show you some clips because I know you've not seen any of it, but it is just the most earnest and adorable and true character who just wants to please. Kind of immature, kind of just wants to show off. He's got this new power that he's just learning to control and use, but he's just so earnest and just so sweet. Yeah, that is, is that is Seth. so pure. So Seth joins Jacob's new pack as he likes the Cullens and also believes Sam is wrong Mm -hmm. in this instance. 
So um, Jacob and Seth warn the Cullens that a fight is inevitable. And although Sam said that it would be tonight, obviously now losing Jacob and Seth, it won't be, but it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, so they need to be wary and the Cullens can't really leave their house because if they go hunting, the wolves will attack. In the morning, Leah Clearwater joins Jacob's pack. God love her. Much to everyone's dismay. Uh, Jacob acts like a complete cunt towards her, to be honest. Yeah. And so does Seth a little bit. Seth's like, oh, Leah. Well, yeah, but it's younger Brother sibling. Sister, yeah. kind of... Anyway, so now Jacob is protecting Bella and the Cullens. Jacob thinks Bella needs blood. Mm. And Edward realises Jacob's right. It's worth a try. It might be blood because the baby is half human, half vampire. But don't worry about it, because Carlisle's got stacks for vampires who don't drink human blood. No, they'd been stockpiling it for Bella. Oh, yeah, that's for... the excuse, is it? Yes, that's right. the explanation. Okay. You don't buy it? No, I don't buy it. I think it's for the apocalypse. So if they can't go out and all the animals are dead, just drink that human sachet. So it makes Bella feel immediately better and she starts to get more colour in her cheeks and she also breaks a rib because as she's getting stronger, the baby is also getting stronger and Mm. it's growing more the more nutrition you give it. It's a catch-22 when you've got a half-human, half-vampire living inside you. Jacob hears howls and goes to the woods to find Jared and Quill and some others trying to persuade Jacob and his new pack to come home. But to no avail. Jacob, yeah. Seth and Leah are pretty tight now. You definitely don't get the sense that Jacob's pack have any animosity mm. towards Sam's pack. They still think of them as family. Yeah. And it's a really great thing, I think, to see these three people going against the wishes of their family for so, what they know to be right. Yes. That takes real strength. Yeah. Because they still love that pack. Bella's done all of this. She's caused all of this. And the Cullens need to hunt. And she's broken a pack. And um, that's the situation. It takes two to make a baby. Yeah, but he wants to end it. I know, I know. I just, I can't, I don't think I blame Bella. I just don't. It is a tricky one. Yeah, I don't think that Bella's done anything wrong, actually. No, I it's I think not it's everyone else's wrong. reaction. No one is willing to understand. Until. But we don't understand. She doesn't understand. Mm, but we will. And yeah. she knows. She has faith. Jacob tells Carlisle that they can go hunt. Carlisle, Alice, Emmett, Esme and Jasper leave. So we are left with Edward, Jacob, Rose and Bella. Miraculously, Edward can now hear the baby's thoughts. And from that moment, Edward is now on Team Bella. Because the baby loves Bella and loves her voice and quite likes his voice. And uh, Jacob feels completely betrayed. Edward knows, obviously, because he can hear Jacob's thoughts, that he's furious. So what does he do? He gives Jacob his car keys. <laughs> it's a nice thing to do. I- is it? Mm, Here you go. It's not Leave. the most responsible, but he can see into Jacob's head. He knows what Jacob needs. Jacob needs an escape and he provides it. I didn't hate it. It's confusing to read in the moment because yeah. it's like Edward threw me a set of keys. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. go, go now. <laughs> but at first I interpreted it as that he was scared that Jacob was going to wolf there and, you know, cause harm. But I don't think that is the case. I think I think he was actually doing him a solid. <laughs> Isn't that what the bros say? Neither of us know what the bros say. If there are any bros out there um, (laughs) who would like to tell us what you say. um... So Jacob goes to the park and tries to imprint on any woman that he sees. 
he has a pointless interaction with a girl and then comes home to find Leah transformed. And I was like, naked? Didn't mention Leah's clothes and it only mentions them in the third book. And I was like, did Leah get so angry that she just waltzed into the Cullens' house naked and have a go at Bella because I would have loved that. Oh my God, I had the same thought. She's yelling at Bella about all that she's done to hurt Jacob. Yeah. And especially because she'd be just that little bit dirty, like she's been outside. but also have a great body. Oh, you know that she's got a rocking body. Yeah. Just like looking a bit rough. Yeah. But naked and livid. Yeah. Ooh. I love that woman. She's the top candidate, isn't she? I think she might be the feminist icon we've all been looking for. <gasps> oh, yeah. Would have loved to have seen that. But no, Maya deprives us of that. Then Bella pukes a fountain of blood and it's go time. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's so cool. You're gross. No. No. I'm perfectly good. So she gets up because she has to go to the bathroom. Mm. She drops her cup and uh, kind of yeah. leans to try and catch the cup before it hits the floor. But obviously Edward reaches it first. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Bella screams. It was not just a scream. It was a blood-curdling shriek of agony. The horrifying sound cut off with a gurgle and her eyes rolled back into her head. Her body twitched, arched in Rosalie's arms, and then Bella vomited a fountain of blood. <laughs> That's... So cool. Again, from a horror perspective, this is a book about vampires. And that is perhaps the most satisfied I've been (laughs) with that aspect of this story. So it's not even coming from the vampire. Her like back breaks as she like arches and shrieks, but like gurgles as blood is pouring from her mouth. A fountain. It's time. Jacob and Edward tried to keep Bella alive, but her heart stopped. Orcs. The baby's alive, though, and Rosalie comes back into the room to take the baby away, whilst Edward punches Bella's heart with a syringe full of his venom. It's like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, That's what I always think in that moment. That it's is like, a better scene, though. Well, we don't know. Let's wait till Breaking Dawn the movie. Oh, that's not... I'm hoping to see Uma Thurman. <laughs> Get stabbed in the heart. Out of her head. Yeah. So Edward has punctured her heart and is pumping away and biting her all over. Like mm. he's biting every part of her body. Trying to get as much venom into her yeah. system as possible. And Jacob gives up. Mm-hmm. Bella's dead. He's called it. He goes downstairs and realizes that he's so angry that he's going to kill the baby that has killed the love of his life. Mm-hmm. He goes downstairs and we discover that the baby isn't a boy that Bella thought it would be. It's a girl. How convenient. And the minute Jacob looks at the baby, he imprints. End of Jacob's book. Dude. That was the point where I remember losing my shit. Oh. I remember, like, jumping up and being like, oh, oh, oh my, oh my god, oh my god, and just not being able to handle what was happening. And you got there before I did, and you were like, oh my god, oh my god, you have to read it, you yeah. have to read it. And I was furious. Oh, I, the adrenaline pumping through my body. Oh. Furious. So this is Jacob's section of this novel. Mm-hmm. So naturally, the best thing about it is Leah Clearwater. Damn straight. She's probably the only reason for this section of the book, as far as I'm concerned. So I just want to do a little kind of exploration of Leah as a character. This is just the segment where we appreciate Leah. And it's been a long time coming, I think. Yeah. So I want to reflect back and get some context So Leah was first introduced to us in New Moon. Bella says, Leah was a senior like me, but a year older. Don't really know how that works. No, I don't know. Bella was born in September. 
Yeah. So maybe Leah was held back a year or took a year out of mm. high school. So a few things. She's described as beautiful in an exotic way. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. She's gorgeous anyway. Gorgeous. So we get that she's on Billy's phone and mm. never gets off the phone the whole time. I wonder if that's to do with the breakdown of her relationship with Sam. Mm. Would have been going on around that time. She's preoccupied. She's got a lot going on. You get the sense that she's not interacting in the family time. She's Mm. got her own stuff happening. Mm. Later in New Moon, her father dies. In Eclipse, we learn that Leah and Sam Yuli had been high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. When Sam was the first to transform into a wolf, he had to hide it from her, which put a strain on their relationship. But he managed to help her work it out, and they were figuring things out. But then Emily, Leah's second cousin, came to visit her, Sam imprinted on Emily. Jacob says, Leah got the worst end of the stick. She put on a brave face. She's going to be a bridesmaid. Oh, that's a bit harsh from Emily. Well, but then also she loves Emily. She loved Sam. You know, you've got to be happy to see the person you love happy, but rough. So again, you I think... You don't have to be happy. For the you one don't that... have to be, but I think it shows real strength of character mm, in Leah true. that she might not be happy, but she's going to be a bridesmaid. You know what I mean? She's mm. not severing ties with her cousin. Yeah. She's not making things more difficult than they need to be for other people. Mm. Leah attends the bonfire to hear the Quileute histories. Bella says, I wonder how horrible it was for Leah to sit across the circle from Sam and Emily. Her lovely face betrayed no emotion, but never looked away from the flames. Later in the novel, Leah is revealed to have become the first female werewolf. Edward gives some insight into Leah's influence on the wolves' shared thoughts. He says, she's making life exceedingly unpleasant for the rest of them. I'm not sure she deserves your sympathy. When even one member is deliberately malicious, it's painful for everyone. She's constantly bringing up things they'd rather not think of. So I know I just said that she wasn't making life more difficult for other people, (laughs) but when she is making life more difficult for other people, I'm like, yes! (laughs) She's bringing up other people's shit. She's like, oh, you're going to listen to my thoughts and my pain? Okay, here's your pain. You can admire the person who is just saying it how it is. I feel like I'm that person. And yes, Leah is making things more uncomfortable. Mm. She's doing it by telling the truth. Mm. Because someone's being lied to about who their daddy is. That's the stuff that she's bringing up, right? And so, yeah. I forgot about that drama. The wolf pack is like a full season of Desperate Housewives going on Mm. there. So much drama. In the epilogue of Eclipse, Jacob is our narrator and Leah gets her first actual dialogue. She complains to Jacob about his romantic feelings for Bella affecting the whole pack, and she's dreamt about kissing Bella. This prompts Jacob's vaguely homophobic outburst about his own gender confusion. He actually uses the word gender confusion, caused by Leah's unresolved feelings for Sam. I remembered back to when I used to think Leah was pretty, maybe even beautiful. That was a long time ago. No one thought of her that way now, except for Sam. He was never going to forgive himself, like it was his fault that she'd turned into this bitter harpy. It is. Fuck you, Jacob. Yeah. Bitter harpy. Bitter harpy. And again, we're supposed to feel bad for Sam. And Jacob. Like, oh, poor Jacob, he has to put up with this horrible bitch. Basically, these poor men have to deal with the consequences of what they've done to these women. Mm. It's the same with Emily's scarring. Sam makes it all about himself. I am such a bad person. I get that Sam didn't have a choice but to imprint on Emily. And to be honest, even if it wasn't about imprinting, it's not wrong for you to love who you love. Mm. Sometimes people get hurt. Yeah. The best thing you can do is be honest about it, and that's what he's done. If it doesn't hurt, it isn't love. Oh, I remember when I used to think of Leah as pretty, maybe even beautiful. No one thought of her that way anymore. Fuck you. Grow up. Yeah. 
She's beautiful. Mm. So that brings us to Breaking Dawn. Bella finds Leah intimidating. Good. She should. Yeah. So in this section, Leah is still disliked by the pack. She doesn't appreciate being lumped in with the guys. Remember when Sam says, okay, guys, and Leah, like they clock in her head, Leah's kind of internal eye roll at the phrase Mm. guys. Good. I'm glad that she's not just letting that shit slide. When Jacob leaves Sam's pack, Seth follows and Leah joins a little bit later. In the morning after. She's clearly unwanted though. Yeah. But she does it because she knows Sam won't know about it until then. Exactly. And she's she's clever about it. Smart enough to do it the right way. Yeah. And she's strong enough to stand her ground. Yeah. She knows what's right for her Mm -hmm. and she's going to stand up for it. And she's not overly sensitive. She is sensitive and that's what all of this crap that we get from all of the men Mm. about Leah is oh she's so hurt she's so bitter she can't stop feeling all these things but actually she knows what she feels she's not ashamed of what she feels she says to Jacob tell me who does want me around and I'm out of here being unwanted is not a first for me oh Leah I want you Jacob makes a small effort to understand Leah for the first time because he says she loved Sam still and having him wish she'd disappear was more pain than she was willing to live with now that she had a choice. She would have taken any other option. Wow. So Jacob knows exactly, obviously because they share thoughts. Mm -hmm. So really there's no excuse for not understanding. He does understand why she is the way she is. Yeah. He just doesn't really care to understand And the thing is, he's going through... A similar situation in his love life. Exactly. You'd think they have this in common and we mm. find that out. But for some reason, they just don't seem willing. No, he's not willing. She's very willing. Yeah. But gradually he begins to soften. When Jacob transforms and is stood naked talking to Jared, mm-hmm. Jared says something like, um, he says that Sam wants you back, Leah. You belong there. And Jacob says... Leah belongs wherever she wants to be, which is a great sentiment. I'm pleased that Jacob said it. However, it's really unfortunate that Leah was not able to say it for herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she growls, sure. Mm. But again, it's just tinged with this bitterness of why does Jacob have to be the mouthpiece for Leah? That should be Leah's line. Yeah. Because it's true. And she has plans. She has ambition for her future. Yeah. She says, I was on my way out anyway. I'll get a job somewhere away from the push. Maybe take some courses at a community college. Get into yoga and meditation to work on my temper issues. And stay part of this pack for the sake of my mental well-being. Yeah. She has ambition, which is so sexy. And she wants to go into education. She wants to better herself. That's all I've been asking. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be through education. It doesn't need to be through study. She's got a goal. She knows what she wants and she is taking the steps to make herself mentally able to do that and make herself well Mm. and to work on herself she's so smart she also thanks jacob for letting her be a part of his pack yeah she appreciates that it's not easy and it's not the ideal thing for anyone Mm. the moment that causes a real rift is when leah says that she understands rosalie's perspective on the pregnancy yeah And Jacob refuses to understand that. Mm -hmm. And really, Jacob and all the wolves are real douchebags about not wanting to be involved in Leah's female stuff. This is what I've got written down. So Leah has no menstrual cycle. Now she's a werewolf. This is quite a revelation. Yeah, that's tough. And we don't know if it's stilted because of the wolf gene. 
Jacob makes a good point that I think is probably likely, just in terms of the mythology of it, the fact that the wolves don't age. Yeah. So Jacob says that once she stops becoming a wolf and the aging process kicks in again, I think things probably will just kick back from where they were because at the moment she's frozen. They're like vampires, really. So I think that she is just frozen in the moment. What really breaks my heart is that she believes that no one will ever love her. She's heard it in Sam's thoughts that imprinting is to help create even better werewolves. To pass on that gene. Better, stronger, faster wolves. male wolves imprint on the women who are going to provide the strongest offspring. Yeah, and that's why Sam thinks imprinting happens so you get the best woman. Fuck you all. That's what I say. And because what? Leah's been rejected, she she thinks, okay, I'm a dead end. Like, I'm not menstruating, I'm not a woman. She's the first example of a female wolf that mm. they have in their histories. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't know whether her body changed because she became a werewolf or whether she became a werewolf because, because there was something wrong with her. Mm. The only female werewolf in the history of forever was that because she wasn't as female as she should be. Ew! Yeah. What a horrible sentence. Yeah. Ugh. And that, again, we've, we've beat it to death, but the typical gender roles, mm. ideas about... It's all about reproduction. That's why it's heartbreaking, her thinking, I'm going through the menopause. I'm not, mm. not able to have children. Yeah. But that doesn't make you less of a woman. No, and that's the damaging thing, yeah. is when we equate childbirth or the ability to bear children with womanhood. Mm-hmm. Those those two things are not no. I know intrinsically many linked. many women who have decided not to have children, and they are womanly. They yeah. are some of the best women I know. Just as postmenopausal women are still women. Yeah, and it's the same thing with women who weren't assigned female at birth. That doesn't make you any less of a woman. It's a very dull, archaic view mm. of what makes a woman, what makes a man. And it plays into things that we've talked about before about traditional marriage being very focused on consummating the marriage, producing children. Yeah. What just solidifies my disdain for Jacob uh, (laughs) is when he says of Leah, dealing with the issue of her fertility, none of us had wanted to deal with that breakdown. Obviously, it wasn't like we could empathise. Try. You share thoughts. Yeah, yeah. It should be so easy for you to understand each other and to and try to, to help struggle. or comfort each yeah. other. Just because you don't have the same body parts doesn't mean you can't understand what this person is going through. Just like Leah has taken her time to be like, look, we have the same experiences. We're both in this love triangle. We're the ones that aren't wanted. And so we can help each yeah. other by being there for each other. And not crowding one another, but just understanding and giving each other the space that no one else will give us or the companionship that no one else will. And Jacob's like, cool, but I can't understand this woman's shit. Like, this men's thing that you do. Oh, I don't want to think about that. I'm busy trying to kill vampires and she's worried about her period. Her being naked is a bit distracting and she could be pretty if she wanted to be pretty, but her anger... It's all this bullshit. Yeah. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And also I just get this... I get this feeling that Jacob thinks he's like the ultimate fertile wolf. (laughs) Like he's just Uh... reeking with fertility. Like his sperm is just like the best super wolf sperm. Could you imagine if Jacob was infertile? 
if he was and if he found that out, I'm sure all the wolves would all mourn together with him. Mm. Instead, they're like, oh, girl stuff. It's so boring. Yeah. And it's unfortunately just so typical of not all men. Hashtag not all men. Hashtag not all men. Obviously. We're not men bashing. No. Because there are some amazing men out there. There are. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to talk a little bit about the nudity. A big part of our exploration of Leah as a character, I think, involves this nudity thing. Leah says to Jacob when he needs to transform into his human form, obviously he's going to be naked. She says, I've seen you naked before, doesn't do much for me, so no worries. But still that's, well, it's uncomfortable. And Jacob kind of tells us, nudity was an inconvenient part of pack life. We'd all thought nothing before Leah came along. We'd all caught a glimpse, and it wasn't like she wasn't worth looking at. Oh! It was just that it was so not worth it when she caught you thinking about it later. These struggles of a mixed-gender wolf pack. Yeah. And then when Jacob has to transform, she kept her nose in the air, very obviously not looking in my direction. I appreciated that. This is just one of those things that makes me think, like, wow... Straight people are wild. Like, (laughs) Obviously, I am pretty much exclusively attracted to men, and I am a man. I've basically spent my whole life using changing rooms in which the gender I am attracted to removes their clothes. So, of course, in that situation, for, for lots of queer people, you might find some people attractive, and you're there in a space where they're going to be removing their clothes to whatever degree. You learn to use those spaces... Without making anyone uncomfortable or without feeling uncomfortable yourself. I don't want to minimise the issue because obviously there needs to be certain places that are single gender spaces. Absolutely. In order to provide safety and comfort. But it just blows my mind that these werewolves are literally saving their town from monsters. (laughs) And they are finding it too disruptive to see a boob every now and then. Get over it. Are we not mature enough to separate sex from... Nudity. And don't get me wrong, like, nudity and sex do go hand in hand, but at the same time... What I think we're trying to say is that it could be empowering. Yes, or it could just not be a thing. It could just be, and we all turned into humans, and we were naked, but we were used to that by now. Yeah. Because we are a family, frankly... I would rather be sat here naked in front of you now and have you see my whole body than have you see all of my thoughts. Mm. If we were at the level of intimacy where I could read your mind and you could read mine, seeing each other's bits, True. I don't think would phase me that trivial. much. It's trivial, yeah. It's like I know every deep, yeah. dark thought you've ever thought. It just seems kind of silly to me. In conclusion, I love Leah. She deserves everything. Yeah. She's strong and decisive and can argue her case. She would make the perfect alpha. True. She would. Yeah. But she's been disregarded and ostracized by the group, literally because she's a woman, Mm. and no one felt like connecting with her through her pain over Sam or her worries about her fertility because they were so consumed by toxic masculinity. Spoiler alert, in the next part of this novel, she does become Jacob's second-in-command, but I hope that one day she'll become Alpha. I think that sometime in the future, in my own head canon, an upcoming battle, some nomads will cross their path. Jacob will be tragically killed, and Leah will take over as head of the pack. And that will be a happy day for us all. <laughs> Jacob's death. Sorry about it. 
Another young lady who I think deserves to be talked about in this section is Lizzie. As you said in the plot, when Edward can hear the baby's thoughts, Jacob freaks out. He is all torn up over his love for Bella, and it occurs to him that if he were to imprint on someone else, all of that would go away. So that becomes his mission to imprint. He's already seen all of the local girls, so he drives north looking for a bigger, and I quote, hunting range. So he stops at a park, blocking two disabled parking spaces like an absolute country singer. I didn't know that. What a dick. Why do people like him? I don't know. Why Why did I like him? Why is he? Because he was a werewolf. Ugh. We were all misguided. So he wanders around cataloguing women, which basically means just staring at them and appraising their appearance like the creep that he is. When he gets back to the car, having not found his soulmate, baffling. Oh no, is I just, it? Wow. How could you not? He tried so hard. <laughs> One of the women he's already seen approaches him. Her name is Lizzie. She's attractive and friendly and makes the effort to work through some of his rudeness. She also knows about cars. Yay. She just falls right into this trope of not like other girls. Yeah, because she knows about cars. At first, I really fell for it. I was like, oh, she's cool. She knows about the things that Jacob's interested in. She's willing to banter and go through it all. There are girls like this, and that's cool. There are women who like cars, but there is a real trope of this. Think (laughs) Megan Fox in the first Transformers film. She's smoking hot, but isn't afraid to get her hands dirty and knows all about boys' stuff, like Steak and Call of Duty, I'm assuming. (laughs) It's a boring shorthand for Jacob's perfect girl. Basically saying if he can't make it work with her, he can't make it work with anyone. He wishes he knew how to make it work and imprint on her, but he can't. He realises that he's not going to be able to fall in love like a normal person. Jacob, nothing you are doing is like a normal person. (laughs) And frankly, I don't mean to be too harsh, he doesn't deserve to find love while he continues to think of women as prizes to be claimed. Yeah. If he can't deal with a woman's menstrual cycle, what's he going to do with a girlfriend? Leah is a perfect friend. They are actually very well suited to be not lovers, but to be friends. And if you can't be friends with a woman in your life because you don't want to get involved with the female stuff, Mm -hmm. you don't deserve a romantic partner who's a woman. No. And he just wants this perfect woman to fall from the sky. He doesn't deserve a partner who's male either, though. Oh, no. You know what? He really just needs to go back to basics, reevaluate the way he interacts with everyone close to him, and just learn to give more love. What he's been doing is fixating, imposing his love. Yes, Mm -hmm. the kind of love that you need to be giving just to everyone is just the little moments of care. Mm -hmm. Now, Lizzie seems cool. It is a shame that she's only in this saga for two pages. (laughs) One thing that it did occur to me, actually, if anyone is to be compared to Megan Fox's character in Transformers, it's probably Rosalie. So I just wanted to kind of point that out. I hadn't realised it before, but... Rosalie does fall into those tropes as well. The thing is, Rosalie, she wants to be desired for her looks, Mm -hmm. but not because of her mechanical skills. That's not to get a male's attention. Oh, no, no. But I don't think that Lizzie, as a character is using her love of cars to get attention. Well, it's, it's a I just way to talk to Jacob, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So maybe there is an element of that, but I don't think Lizzie is making up the fact that she loves cars. No. But I think her as a constructed character is an unrealistic male fantasy. The difference, I think, with Rosalie is that her purpose is slightly different. Rosalie is designed to be something for a young woman to feel jealous of. 
the ideal. And to not be able to compete with. Mm. Lizzie is designed for a man to desire and to be the perfect woman. Rosalie has a lot more character development. Rosalie has her own thoughts and feelings and wants. Mm. Lizzie doesn't get any of that. It's only two pages. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that we have seen this trope already in the saga. And, and I hadn't, it. Yeah, I mm. hadn't realised at the time. Um, and it's not always a bad thing. It's good to have women like stuff that is typically enjoyed by men. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what the purpose of that character is. Yeah, it's just not effective if it's still done with the male gaze in mind. Exactly. What came to your mind? Abortion. We spoke about it briefly in the plot. I thought Bella was being a bit selfish with her decision. We don't know all the facts, and we don't know all the facts until it's Bella's third book. That's the thing about this pregnancy, is that it's this mythical, it's never happened before. And it looks like it's killing her. It is killing her. Well, yeah. Well, if Bella hadn't wanted to turn into a vampire, if Edward had had sex with her and left her, she would have had this baby and died. Yes, that's a good point. I'm not okay, and I hope I made that clear in the plot, that I'm not okay that Edward and Carlisle are like, yeah, we're just going to get rid of it. She has no choice. They were going to pin her down. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's said. That's barbaric. Yeah. She is choosing to keep it. But the selfishness I feel that Bella does is that she's not thinking about herself. Well, she's not thinking. But Bella's demeanour throughout is actually quite calm. It's actually yeah, true. the most collected we see Bella. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, you do not saga. think Bella would be a, an appropriate mother, do you? No, I'm going to say taking Bella from the last three novels, you wouldn't say that's a girl who's ready to be a mum. But I don't think she's been as much of a disaster in this book. The pregnancy is horrific. But actually, Bella is calm. She's determined. That's a big part of me that really enjoyed seeing Bella through the suffering that it's causing and how sorry she is to see the amount of suffering she's causing her friends and family just be so steadfast and strong in her belief of what is right. Mm. I liked seeing Bella defy Edward, defy Jacob. Mm. The people that she has on her side are the women who she has asked to join her. Rose's motivations for helping Bella maybe aren't entirely kosher, and I don't... You know Mm. that I don't love that Rose's main motivation is having some kind of surrogate motherhood, Mm. but... It's the first time that Bella has truly had power. And we talked a little bit Mm. in, I think, episode six, when we talked about the second half of Eclipse, about the legend of the third wife. And Bella uses that to seize power. Yeah. Because the only power she has is endangering herself to save the ones she loves. But she's doing it again. She is doing it again. That is the only power she has. It's literally what she's doing because she loves the baby and she's Mm. endangering herself in order to save the baby. She knows invisibly that she's not going to survive this. But that's not the case. That's not the case, but how could you think you would? She just knows. Maybe she knows. I don't know. She doesn't know. Uh, I mean, I've got my own theories and I have for a while about there's something supernatural about Bella anyway. Well, yeah. She has these prophetic dreams. She seems to be able to tell when people are lying to her. I don't know. In the context of this magical story, I think it's pretty cool to see Bella do what she does. It's interesting, it, your idea that Maya would be pro-life. There is nothing really pro-life about the story. What do you mean? To be pro-choice means that if you don't believe in abortion, or you don't want to have an abortion, you get to not have an abortion. Yeah. 
but if you require an abortion, you can have one. To be pro-life means that if you don't believe in abortion, you don't get to have one. Mm. If you need one, you also don't get to have one. Yeah. There is only one option which rest- which strips women of their choice. But I don't think Maya would ever have a character who would have an abortion. Maybe, but we don't know that. And we do have characters, albeit, yeah, they're men. But we have yeah, but that... characters who, for the greater good, are willing to provide an abortion. It's not like we've got people going, oh no, what can we do? Bella's going to die and there's nothing we can do about it because we couldn't possibly provide an abortion. You know, I mean, it's an option that's on the table. I understand that, but it's, of course... Maya's protagonist is not going to have an abortion and is not even going to consider that option, Mm. is what I'm saying. I see, yes. Because perhaps... So maybe if we had seen Bella consider it... Yeah. ...to think about it, to have just a moment... Do I keep it or do I not? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is probably a choice that most women have when they first discover they're pregnant. Yeah, a kind of internal dilemma. Yeah, you might not voice that that opinion. Mm -hmm. But for Bella, it's there's no other option. Of course, she's going to keep it. Well, because that's the way Bella does everything. It's all in extremes. It's all (laughs) in instant true love. But, okay, I see what you mean, that it maybe would have just provided some balance and do you think made the whole thing a bit more palatable had you had Bella's consideration of all the options yeah maybe but bella's this self-sacrificing fucking martyr over and over (laughs) and over again willing to die for very little well is it very little though in this instance probably not no but she's willing to cut her arm open yeah she's willing to jump off a cliff she's very willing (laughs) she goes to a mirrored ballet studio (laughs) to meet (laughs) to meet a vampire that's going to kill her you see this as another instance in a long line of events <laughs> yeah. where Bella just seems very, very cavalier yeah. about killing herself. It's her martyr complex. Okay, yes, fine. <laughs> it's interesting because I just think it's overwhelmed by the motherhood thing. And I know that it's designed to be that way, but it, there is something about it when mm. we are talking about the bond between a mother and child. But I don't think there is a very strong bond of motherhood necessarily until she meets the baby. But there is. Mm. She talks to it. She's aware of it. She yeah. thinks of it as a person. She calls it him. And I think that colours our perception of it. Because you're right. You're right in what you're saying. This When you lay out the, the, the cold, facts. hard facts... You're absolutely right. This is another example of Bella being just crazy. <laughs> but when you put it in context of she is pregnant, she there is a, a life inside her that she loves, it makes me go, cool, fair. You know, that's strong. So it's you... to do with our attitudes towards parenthood, mm. maybe. I mean, of course, you know, it's unconditional love. There is no other love like a mother and a, their child. How interesting would it be if it had been like an evil demon? I think that would have been better. I mean, it would have really helped me with my like horror, horror. my enjoyment of this as a horror (laughs) novel. Um, I just, it did seem like the baby was going to eat her from inside out, didn't it? Mm. And maybe that was why we'd switch to Jacob's perspective, because Bella's going to die. Yeah. And so... Oh, yeah. uh, Mm. Unfortunately, it's a book and we're able to look and see that it's not the case. Chloe, are you ready to be asked a burning question? Please. 
So Edward can hear the unborn baby's thoughts. Edward says, he loves you. He absolutely adores you. So I have two questions. Oh, cheeky. How can you read an unborn baby's thoughts? Oh. Babies don't have language, do they? So I suppose in a way this is a question about the nature of Edward's mind-reading abilities. Is it hearing them or is it just getting the sense of the feeling of the thoughts? Mm, But then that's the feeling of the thoughts, yeah, because how much of that is an emotion? Yeah, so how much of our emotions? feel that the baby loves her and... But isn't that more Jasper's remit? When I imagine what a baby's thoughts, particularly like an unborn fetus's thoughts, Mm. are going to be, I imagine that they're just going to be cold, hungry, full, Mm. good, bad. Like, this feels comfortable, this feels uncomfortable. And they're Mm. not going to be in sentences, surely. But this is a mystical baby, and it's been able to hear everything that's going on, so maybe it's picked up the language. Already? That's the thing. It's a bit creepy. I imagine, like, this little Professor X. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this baby is, like, wiser than all of us. Yeah. Like an old man. Mm. My other question linked to this moment, can a baby really love before it's born? Oh. Yeah definitely the mother because it has to love it has to be dependent on it because this is the life source because so, that's where love it. comes from yeah you right? have to keep it happy you have to keep everything in check you have to feed me you have to bathe me you have to look after me you have to keep me alive so i unconditionally love you because i just have to keep you happy so that's where love comes from in that instance do you think yeah. it's a connection based on i cannot survive without you therefore i love you yeah again okay, we're but- not qualified Oh, we're really not qualified really to be having not these. So if anyone out there is writing a dissertation, <laughs> you can't use us as a source. We literally don't know what we're talking about. My question about this was I didn't realise that Edward said he. Mm-hmm. He loves you. Interesting. He doesn't know the gender of the baby. So are thoughts genderless? Oh, surely. Yeah. Well, until we're having thoughts about gender. Mm. So the baby is able to experience love that yeah. has no concept of its own gender. Yeah. Because your awareness of your own gender comes from other people's responses yes, to you. Yes, it's how your parents... Parents have so much to answer for. <laughs> I feel so sorry for them. Yeah. You've got to name them, keep them alive, and tell them what gender they are. Yeah. For a lot of parents, you don't really think about that, I imagine. It's just... Well, if you, you did do... think about it, you'd freak out and just think, oh, I'm well, not exactly. doing this. Pop out the child, <laughs> stick a pink or blue label on it. Yeah. This is why I think if I have a child, I definitely want the name to be either or. Oh, really? Yeah. Are there enough gender-neutral names? I'll make one. Yeah, that's just true. Just like Bella makes hers. Yeah. Yeah, let's all follow that example. <laughs> final verdict. You ready, Isaac? Oh, final verdict for the final book. Oh, yeah, it was difficult. You I remember. heard how I struggled. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> okay, number one. Are you a fan of this book today, right now? I actually am a fan of this book today. I do think, compared to the other books, it really goes places. It could have been split into two books, with the first book ending after this section, the second section. But I think the sheer quantity of the story gives it kind of an epic feel that the other books haven't had. It feels bigger in every sense of the word. Would you have encouraged your teenage self to read it? Probably. It's not perfect, but it's exciting and interesting and it does have some cool mythology. I would actually encourage teenage Isaac to skip the first three books and just read this one. 
just read Breaking Dawn. I don't think there's anything you'd miss out on narrative-wise, and you'd be spared all the angst and abuse. I think that Breaking Dawn is the Twilight Saga, and you don't need any others. Third and final question. Mm-hmm. What has this book taught you? So this does relate to the third section of this book, but mm-hmm. also I think it runs through this second section as well. Everyone fears what they don't yet understand. It takes effort to teach others about your difference, and it takes effort to learn about someone else's difference. Violence happens when we're too hasty or angry or ignorant to allow ourselves to learn. That is my pre-prepared answer. I really wish I hadn't pre-prepared that. But oh, it would have been nice yeah. if I just if that had just come Off out of my bat. mouth, but it wouldn't. No. I'm not just not able to speak like that. <laughs> but yes, that's my that's my answer. That's beautiful. Thank you for joining us for the second part of our discussion of the novel Breaking Dawn. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to pull apart the final section of this book. But in the meantime, you can join the chat by finding us on Twitter and Instagram at ForksCast. And you can rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care. And remember, Leah deserves everything.